0: Good morning, good day, good on afternoon, good evening. On the first day of Tony.
1: Christmas, my true love said to me...
0: Oh, God, that, that's no way to start a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I can hear the sound of people running their fingers over their phones or whatever to delete, delete, delete. It was delete, just in delete, the wrong delete. key.
1: on the, <laughs> no,
0: the I've wrong been singing key. singing Christmas carols. The... <laughs> Are you feeling really Christmassy?
1: Little donkey, Carrie oh Mary. It's how I'm remembering all the nativity stories to tell to my daughter. <coughs> 'Cause I'm like, okay, Mary went to Bethlehem on a and then she goes, Camel I was like, it wasn't a camel and then I went, Little donkey, carry Mary safely on her way. It was a donkey.
0: Okay. I saw quite an amusing cartoon which was um, Joseph and Mary arriving at the inn and the innkeeper saying, Piss off, we're in tier three <laughs> I was That's Joseph not that in the funny. activity play. <laughs> I laughed out of politeness I thought it was quite funny I was Joseph in the nativity play but I got into real trouble Why? Well I was Joseph and Mary and at the end of the nativity You were Joseph we just,
1: and Mary?
0: Yeah I th- That's impressive. Si- no no <laughs> there, there was Joseph and I was I, I was I played Joseph and a girl whose name escapes me now but I think might have been called Claire played Mary okay. and I was six we were both six we were in infant school or whatever it was at that time and um The kids from the big school came to watch us do our nativity and Claire and I just had to stand there and various sort of, you know, poor quality plastic merchandise was brought to us and we had this rather ugly doll pretending to be the baby Jesus. Did
1: someone have a sock with a dildo in it?
0: <laughs> we'll come on to that but no they didn't. <laughs> this, was, remember, this was the 70s. I think I don't think anybody knew they about dildos. They probably did in the
1: then. Se- oh my I god, be- everyone knew about dildos in the 70s. <laughs>
0: did
1: they? <I? laughs> you couldn't enter school without a dildo in your school
0: bag. We <laughs> they were using dildos in their big hairy 70s growlers.
1: De plugger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um so <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we at the end of the the, the the thing, we sort of Mary and I had cradle, well, her cradling the baby Jesus, which was probably a tiny tears or something, had cabbage to cabbage um, patch doll. <laughs> no, that was, this is before <laughs> cabbage patch dolls. They were they were still in the future then, um, and we had to sort of we had to walk forward off the kind of stage and then walk around past all these children out the door, followed by the the three wise men and the shepherds washing their socks and all that kind of thing. Anyway. As we walked out, I caught sight of my friend, Grant, who was a year above me and he'd already gone up to big school. And so I sort of stopped and said, hi, Grant, how are you, and started chatting to him. (laughs) At which point the teacher came (laughs) and nudged me and pushed me towards the door. And I I didn't think anything was wrong. I just said said hello to my friend, Grant. I was six years old. And afterwards the teacher, whose name was Miss Mills, who undoubtedly is dead now because she was very old at the time, called me I said Benedict and I said yes I said I'm very disappointed I thought, well that's just set the tone for my life
1: <laughs> no it hasn't now his you ignore per- people in order to smarm <laughs> up to other people
0: I'm pointing no perfor- fingers here his first performance and he fluffed it
1: I'm pointing the pointiest of fingers here.
0: Yes, I know. I'm I'm trying not to... (laughs) I'm
1: pointing one of those fingers that people have on big (laughs) sticks (laughs) (laughs) on game shows and stuff. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm coming first today. There'll be few other people in that queue (laughs) or line for our American listeners. We like to um, use their popular vernacular. I'm a journalist. I'm a podcaster. I'm an audio enthusiast in general. I love radio. If you're new, it's called You Didn't Let Me Finish and it features me and...
0: It features me and I'm Ben Ando. I am a former BBC News correspondent and crime reporter. Now I'm a podcaster and yeah, I'm uh, in lockdown again, as they say. And And
1: you're a dad and I'm a mum.
0: Oh, that's true, yes. I've got two adult children, yeah.
1: How are your adult children?
0: Uh, doing adult things, like being a pain in the arse.
1: You always say that, are they really? <laughs> I
0: know, they're lovely. No, but of course sometimes they're great. there are well, particular
1: things you need to tell me, and then other times they're behaving themselves.
0: The the eldest one is kind of spending most of her time with me at the moment with her and her girlfriend, and they're here, and the youngest one's still at university with her boyfriend, whose name, well, his name is Charlie, but for some reason we've cottoned on to calling him Charlesworth. I don't quite know why. Yeah, Charlesworth, sounds grand. Um, well, the, this, I think that's quite why we, could, we do it. <laughs> He's um, he's a big fan of the Polyponesian War.
1: He's a what?
0: (laughs) He's a big fan of the Polyponesian War, which was a sort of war in ancient Greek times. I I don't quite know how we got onto that. Is that a gay
1: affair? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't the ancient Greeks used to sculpt young boys who were engaging in sort of mock warfare and that's why all their vases and stuff have got sort of young, taut-buttocked males in trysts?
0: Wasn't it the ancient Greeks who coined the phrase, the woman for procreation, the boy for pleasure?
1: I don't. Know, I think that phrase has been used around um, parts of London many a time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, just I think London, I thought, nowhere else. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know everybody slagged off the Romans, but I think it was the Greeks that would do anything with anything to anything.
1: I thought you said the Germans were doing that.
0: Oh, the Germans! Oh, everybody knows about the Germans.
1: Really, don't know why you pick on the Germans.
0: I love the Germans. I'm a total Germanophile, actually. I love the Germans. I love Germany as well.
1: Well, why that do you say that they country. would do anything with anyone for anything?
0: Well, I'm kind of saying that in an in in I'm impressed way. I kind of like that way. <laughs> He's <laughs> <I> jealous. Mean, <laughs> to me, that's a God. virtue.
1: <laughs> okay, moving on. What have we got today?
0: Well, we're going to be talking about another attention-seeking woman who's, for some for some reason, there's a, there's a spate at the moment of women getting in the newspapers talking about their sex toys. Actually,
1: Ben, they are articles that you see, so I wonder if they uh, jump up out of your search engine due to making
0: connections... Well, to be, to be fair, both of these were sent to me by other women.
1: Ooh, have you got a little racket going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> quite, exactly, yeah.
1: Oh, well, they're very good. And yeah, they, they love putting dildos in odd places. So we'll talk about that in a moment. We've also got quite a serious one out of the uh, Between the Lines in your notebook, haven't we?
0: This is, um, yeah, the case of um, two French students, Lauren Bonomo and Gabriel Perez, who were murdered in a horrific, horrific case in uh, South London in 2009.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about that, and um, I did make a promise to you guys, our esteemed listeners, that we were going to talk about something meaty this week, so hopefully that'll be covered by that. Other than that, we're going to talk about the murder of Sophie Toscan du Plantier, who was beaten to death at her holiday cottage in Ireland, and there are question marks. And now a fight has ensued over two big broadcasters, true crimers, over covering her death, and uh, nobody's been charged with her murder. So we'll talk a bit about that as well, and um, a few little interactions and off we go
0: yeah
1: Do you you recall, it wasn't the last, it was the penultimate podcast where we talked about Jem Calvert from Belfast, a civil Uh servant whose 15 minutes of fame have included sticking a dildo to her bathroom wall, Um, now progressing (laughs) very destructively onwards. Very good. On to Mum mortified after rampant rabbit vibrator found in Box of Sun's console she sold. Go on, talk about Sarah Fogo,
0: Ben. This is yours. I'll leave this to you. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, do you choose that because the- of her name? It's the first, so Sarah Fogo is 34 <laughs> years old and she's from uh, West Yorkshire. And she's she apparently stumbled across a Sega Mega Drive when she was going through her the bedrooms of one of her three children. Um, hoping to make some extra money before Christmas, she placed the Retro Games console on Facebook Marketplace for £25. Now, after being let down by a couple of sellers, it says here, um, mm-hmm. a guy called Shane purchased this console and asked his friend, James to pick it up for him and as then he messaged her later and said um, there was a rabbit jumping about in a sock and she said what and he sent her a photo showing the box of the the Sega Mega Drive which is branded the ultimate computer game console Mm. Um, and then underneath it there's um, a purple uh, rampant rabbit vibrator tucked into a polka-dot sock
1: Which initially looks like a child's sock, but it turns out to be her (laughs) mum's. In a cruel twist of fate.
0: (laughs) He said, I wouldn't mind, but the rabbit was worth more than what I sold the Sega for. The rabbit normally costs £45. And then then there's various photos of her in animal print tops and trousers. I
1: know, my four-year-old was impressed. Anything that's kind of cat-like or leopard print. She, she points at women who are very glamorous in the street going, oh, Mummy, why don't you wear that? <laughs> they're teetering along in their little Benando would like them shoes. And then there's me in my tracksuit limping along with my stupid foot.
0: And then there's a photo of um, Sarah Fogo outside her house, presumably in in West Yorkshire, with her leopard skin top on, standing sort of sideways onto the camera, with her head thrown back and her her, her hair sort of you know going down her back. I mean. It's just such attention-seeking, it's hilarious.
1: That, yeah, there's, it doesn't jump out at you, does it? The attention-seeking, <laughs> the please look at me, look at me. Like my sister used to say when we were younger and I used to come out in front of her friends and start doing like excited dances and stuff. she stop showing off <laughs> and I'd shrink away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're going to like this bit because Sarah apparently has joked... I should set up a GoFundMe for a replacement as it's going to be lonely this Christmas. (laughs) I
1: did note that point.
0: You hate it, don't you? Uh,
1: Well, what I think is is rubbish is that there are charities. I'm going to go on to talking about um, a friend of the podcast, uh, podcast she wrote, is working in a charity shop. And um, they're folding left, right and centre, and especially stuff like mental health and domestic violence and um, charities which are really necessary to supporting people who are going through loads of shit right now are folding and unable to pay their staff and furlough's not working and the grants aren't coming. And um, and then you get these other people wanting to line their own pockets, albeit funny. But um, going back to a uh, podcast she wrote, our friend, um, I'm going to do a little sort of bid about doing a Christmas shopping in charity shops. And I think it's a great idea. And actually she spurred me on to doing exactly that because um, those people need your money and not your silly um friends of friends who come knocking on your door to i don't know to what do they to fund their botox as these ladies clearly well are doing or to buy a new vibrator or, or, or exactly or to i mean they're, they're clearly just after the money and on terms of selling on facebook marketplace as well i wonder what else <laughs> has escaped her clutches illicitly <laughs> can i just say that on the daily star website just above this article it says you know the way they have these little sales things that pop through, surgeons remove still buzzing sex toy stuck inside woman after date with boyfriend and they've got an x-ray picture of this launched (laughs) sex toy, can you see that?
0: what did the string snap or something and that...
1: right next to that related article vibrator in woman's handbag sparks terror alert at Opera House <laughs> oh, God. it's all about the buzzing things and how... anyway I'm going to tell you what I mean to be fair
0: off. I can sympathise with, vi- with someone taking a vibrator <laughs> to the opera I mean you've got to get through it somehow haven't you
1: <laughs> do you think they just uh, switch it on at crescendo bits to cover up the noise <laughs>
0: <laughs> La donna immobile.
1: <laughs> she certainly is.
0: <laughs>
1: right, this, this is what I thought was funny. Uh, the fact that it was her mum's sock, but also the guy's grammar. Hey, my mate's really happy with that console. Comma, 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 comma. Only thing, only think is there was a rabbit jumping bout in a sock, lol. And then she sends back, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then he sends back a ramp tent one with a smiley face. Ramp tent? (laughs) And how the hell does she know from ramp tent one...
0: (laughs) Well, they obviously speak the same language.
1: Yeah, I th- I reckon she hooked up with that bloke. He's got a little picture on it because they've showed the text exchange. And on uh, his text exchange, he's got a picture of him in front of like a DJ thing. Oh you know? God. <laughs> Have you noticed that it's guys on their social media. They're like, hey, look at me. And the amount of times you hear guys going, by the way, did I mention I'm a part-time DJ? <laughs> Are
0: you Last a part-time night- DJ, Ben? <laughs> Last night a DJ found my dildo.
1: <laughs> Would you ever put a social media picture on?
0: Um, there might be one of. Them. I don't know. I mean, I, I, do I WhatsApp you ever? Have, you, have I got a picture there? I think it's just a picture of me that no, my daughter it's, took. Of it's me.
1: from your sold-off British Airways stuff, I think, because it says BA in a circle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that was. What Did I was you take a picture of your
1: new BA bowl?
0: Yeah, British Airways were selling off all their stuff, and I thought I could get monogram stuff there because my by lucky hat, my initials are the same. <laughs> Your lucky what, hat, did you uh, say? By, by lucky hap. But then I thought, what do I actually want? I'm not sure. But,
1: <laughs> I had an image but, of you in a lucky hat.
0: <laughs> but then I, I, I thought to myself, well, I'm not entirely sure I actually want anything. Because if you think about airport or air, when you're on a plane, all you get is really tiny, crappy little bowls and then sort of knives that actually don't cut anything because they're supposed to not be dangerous. And I thought, actually, I don't really want any of that stuff, monogrammed or not.
1: Wouldn't you like an air hostess outfit for any for your special lady? <laughs>
0: Say BA on the bottom. (laughs) What, like a branding?
1: (laughs) BA crotchless panties.
0: Yeah, because all. all, Hang on, if I said that that stewardesses all wear crotchless panties, then there'd be all sorts of trouble. But you can get away with
1: it. I think I've been looking at the Daily Star for too long. (laughs) Shall we get to the meat and bones of this podcast now? (laughs)
0: Stop beating about
1: the bush, shall we?
0: (laughs) Stop (laughs) beating about the crotchless bush.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's your job and we're behind time. I think
0: you you probably remember this one, don't you? It was in 2008 that the fire brigade received a call from a member of the public reporting a fire at a flat in New Cross, which is in South London. Um, When the firefighters arrived, they saw that the front windows had been blown out, frames were burning, and then inside the flat they found two bodies both young men and both had been subjected to horrific violence Um, and these were two French students named Gabrielle Ferrez and Laurent Bonomo and this the love I mean they'd been stabbed I think Ferrez had been stabbed over a hundred times something like 140 times and this was absolute shock that this violence would be meted out to just two you know everybody said these two French guys were just really lovely guys they were students they you know didn't have any enemies there's no reason at all that anybody would would want to kill them in this way and I remember at the time you know we spent a lot of time down in South London um, and it just seemed utterly not only awful but also utterly perplexing as to why somebody would want them dead
1: I know, it was bizarre, and that's why I remembered it when you said, "Should we talk about this, that I've covered.
0: I mean, they'd only been in London a few weeks, there was nothing in their background, but then what, what became clear was it had been some kind of burglary that went wrong, and then we started to learn a little bit more. And then, about a week after the killings, a guy walks into a Lewisham police station in South London with a burned face and effectively tries to hand himself into the police is told just to sit there and wait because of course what the police were thinking at that time was that this the fire had kind of exploded out and it's quite possible that the um that one the culprit who'd set fire to the flat had had, you know in the doing so had been burned and this was actually what happened and so this was how how they eventually got to the the culprits who were um, the older man was nigel farmer he was the the guy who was was burned, but the actual the real culprit of this was um, a young man who's just twenty three years old named Dano well, yes, Sonics.
1: As you say, but they both received heavy sentences. Plus, apparently, there was a lot of egging on going on during the crime, which prosecutors described as an orgy of bloodletting.
0: Absolutely, I mean, yes, it was. That's exactly what it was. And I mean, so what had happened was Sonics and Farmer had previously. Um, and this is what I think first led the police to think it might be a burglary they had previously stolen a laptop uh, from this flat and had gone back this night to steal more and they tied these two students up and they'd asked them for their bank cards and Sonics had taken the two bank cards to a nearby ATM and had used one of them to withdraw cash and when he tried the other one it wouldn't work and so he got this this apparently enraged him he went back and this is when the real violence started because obviously they'd they'd probably it was said in court that they'd quite possibly had to torture the students to get the, the bank number, deep pin numbers out of them in the first place but this, it's believed that it, Sonex became so frustrated and enraged at the bank card he thought he'd been given the wrong pin number in an, an attempt to trick him and he, this, this enraged him and so this is when a lot of the violence really happened and Bonomo was, uh, Ferris, sorry, was stabbed around 140 times now what later transpired was that Sonex had actually been given the right pin number he'd just entered it wrong uh, and he, we, they knew that because he had actually been able to. He had he'd entered it correctly the first time because he'd been able to look at the balance in the account. But when he tried to then withdraw cash, he entered it incorrectly, and so I mean, so it he just sort of made horrific. his
1: own rage.
0: Yeah, he, he, he was he was he became enraged entirely through his own bungling. Oh my
1: God, I mean, what's particularly awful? I mean, of course, it's murder is just terrible in in itself, but it's the fact that these two young men just seem like really nice people as well and they were young students and their families were so distressed and they make a lot of comment in all of the press it's absolutely terrible what happened and it was as i can understand largely down to these people having a history of violence the perpetrators and being as we say just utterly enraged with life and wanting to take it out on these two
0: well, I mean, Dan O'Sonex was um, known to the police. He was somebody who was a known violent defender. Um, he'd spent just four months of his entire adult life outside, prisoner, outside prison. And when he was arrested, he said to one officer that he was going to bite his face off and one of the things one of the real tragedies of this case as well is that Sonics probably shouldn't really have been free in any event because he had been released on license after a um, previous crime of violence and he had then been um found to have carried out another burglary and should have been recalled to prison because that's the terms, you know, you're released on license and if you do anything wrong then you're immediately recalled to prison and for some reason due to an error in the probation service that didn't happen and so the head of the probation service um, later resigned over that uh, because after obviously they were found guilty and so on, there was an investigation into what had happened but that's one of the real uh, you know, that's another of the real tragedies of this was that Sonic shouldn't even have been free
1: Mm-hmm. We hear this quite a few times and the crimes that we cover don't we
0: yeah we do I mean it's it, it's tragic and I mean not you know, least this is... the
1: um, London terror attacks in fact
0: and there was a phase i mean this is a slightly bizarre tangent but there was a phase when it seemed that there was an awful lot of violence in london inflicted on french people because of course it wasn't um, very long before that that um, amelie delagrange had been murdered by levi belfield that we've talked about well I, that's down I, I, to the
1: amount of, of french people in london i guess but
0: yeah but yeah for sure but it, i did i do remember one thing not that not seemed not down to sli- the
1: fact that they're french but.
0: <laughs> but but i do remember there was a period when we were sort of like we seemed to be forever you know trying trying to write letters in french to the parents of murder victims in london because we we try you know we wrote to the parents of Lauren bonamo we wrote to the parents of gabriel Ferrez and sort of completely separately we had written to the parents of amelie delagrange as well and they were all incredibly um, dignified incredibly gracious yeah. um and you know they they all obviously they came to london for the trials and they sat in court um uh, amelie delagrange's parents um, and the parents of F- Ferrez and bonamo just yeah, my, you know, my recollection of them is, is, is what amazing dignity they had when, you know, how, how heartbreaking it must have been for them that their, you know, their children were coming to London, obviously all excited about it, you know, to, as a part of their life, and, and and yet met their ends in such horrid ways.
1: Well, that's what Colin Sutton remarked on, didn't he? The parents, mm. the grace of the parents of Amélie de Lagrange, and that's something that's really stayed with him um, in that investigation.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: That's it really, it's dignity. And then you see the lives of these two chaps, which have just been consistently violent, which in a sense, they're a victim of their own circumstances as well. You know, they're, they're deranged. That's what happens with, with Nigel Farmer and, and Dano Sonics. You know, if, if, you have, if you're kept in that environment and exposed to nothing but violence, then surely that is not something that, that's easy to shake.
0: It's difficult, uh, yeah.
1: Although, yeah, it's difficult because you can go one of two ways, can't you, really? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, you know, so so Sonex's brother Bernard Sonics has uh, served time in prison for offences of violence. You know, I think at the time I remember there was much said about, you know, the Sonics family were a family that were the kind of family that did cause people in the area of South London to be afraid of them.
1: Well, wasn't Sonics? he was on parole. Well, not quite, um, so for- he was...
0: He had already been. He had been. um, He was in prison for a different. Sorry, if you let me finish. Sorry, go
1: on. He didn't let me finish. He was on parole after serving an eight-year sentence for violence and robbery, which is my point towards the violence. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because he was
1: already going through a punishment for more violence when he committed this.
0: Yeah. I mean, well he he was only released at the, uh, it says, you know, my recollection is that he was released because of some kind of administrative error and that led lead to the uh, the resignation of the sort of the head of the the, the London Probation Service um, because mm. he shouldn't have been free at that time. But anyway, so the, And an some... apology
1: from Jack Straw at the time, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Do you?
0: Yeah, I do actually remember that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. He was
1: constantly apologizing.
0: I wonder if he apologized in French. Je suis très très désolé.
1: Were you uh, well I was about to apologize in German for your slight of the German (laughs) peoples. Go on then. Der Deutsche Volk. (laughs) Entschuldigung. But then you started (laughs) but then you started. Entschuldigung for mein handy. (laughs) Do you remember what a handy was in German?
0: Yeah, go on.
1: It's your mobile. That's
0: right, yeah.
1: It makes you want to lift your hand up to your face. My favourite. Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm just talking to my handy.
0: My, my handy is listening. Um, my my favourite um, foreign word for mobile phone is the Italian word. Do you know that one?
1: Yes, because I love the fact that you think you're thrilling everyone with a new fact, but listeners of the podcast will be eye rolling like <laughs> I am right now because I've heard it about 80,000 times. I love it. Though.
0: Telefonino. Telefonino. <laughs> my little telephone? Telefonino. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would say the same thing when you say that. We're turning into cannon and ball.
0: <laughs> anyway. Who's ball and who's cannon?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Anyway, um, the, the upshot of this yes. story is just to say that. They were found guilty, um, Nigel Farmer and Danosonics, uh, and they were sentenced to prison. Danosonics will serve a minimum of 40 years in jail, and Farmer will serve a minimum of 35 years.
1: And there's so much to this story that if you have any recollections, as usual, our email is you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com and it has no apostrophes or full stops. It does have a COVID cough in the background. (laughs) Um, You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail see i nearly forgot the podcast bit but um do let us know your recollections of the crime because there were some obviously there's so much there that we haven't covered at all in a weekly podcast so if there's anything likewise about any of the other crimes that you want to comment on we're really pleased to get your emails Another crime 23 year old investigation. In fact, Sophie Toscan du Plantier murder took place in West Cork in Ireland. A near quarter century has elapsed since her death, coming up to a quarter century now. There are two broadcasters essentially fighting over this crime. What are you giggling about, Ben? <laughs>
0: Nothing. What? Me. I'm gonna to have to cough, excuse me. Oh. <laughs> Right, that's better. Okay. It's not a sudden, continue a, a, a new continuous cough though. And
1: what well, the article that I found in the Times originally a few weeks ago is talking about every truth having two sides, and it drew my attention because it said true crime rivals at odds over 1996 killing. Thirty-nine-year-old mm. Sophie was beaten to death at her holiday cottage in Ireland. And apparently what The Times has called one of Europe's most notorious murder cases is again the source of bad blood. Rival filmmakers have spent years investigating the killing of the French TV producer and plan to release documentaries within months of each other next year on Sky and Netflix. What we've got is... An English journalist turned poet who's called Ian Bailey, who lives in County Cork, is the chief suspect and he runs a stall. It just says a market stall, doesn't say what uh, he sells on his stall. But he hasn't been charged, he's just been interviewed. Do you think he
0: sells Um, poetry on his market stall? It's like hmm. people go up there and say, "I want to buy a poem." as oh, well, Oh,
1: only an island that would be what, lovely. What do
0: you want your poem to be about? Oh, I don't know. A poem about a dog. Okay, I've got I've got three poems about dogs. Choose one. I mean, it's like people buy. You arts. have
1: to do an Irish accent, Ben.
0: I can't do an Irish accent, but people <laughs> but people buy sort of art prints, don't they? So what's to stop you just selling sort of like poetry, unlike poetry prints or something?
1: I've got a story about art prints.
0: Inspirational
1: poems. I'm, I'm now the owner of a little effigy of a crime enthusiast from Paint and Poet.
0: Oh is this like a sort of uh, what do they call it voodoo? Oh please look at it it, Is it me? Are you going to stab it and sort of cause me to have the guts It's Mitzi Mouse
1: It's Mitzi Mouse the podcaster The Paint and Poet does these gorgeous mice. Have you not seen me banging on about it on Twitter? No? There's a Mitzi mouse, the little YDLMF microphone, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the and Poet really kindly sent it to me. Oh, that sounds
0: fantastic.
1: It's really lovely. It's right next to me now. And uh, I wanted to say a massive thank you to the Peyton Poet, because he's absolutely amazing. And
0: he's on our Twitter. Oh, that's lovely.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And you didn't get one.
0: I did not. No, that's true. (laughs) 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 You gel. Yeah, massively, of course. But I, I, I well think I'll gel. get over it. <laughs> I've moved on.
1: <laughs> anyway, sorry, going back to the crime. <laughs>
0: so, so, the, the, so, this is so Sophie uh, Toscan du Plantier was <laughs> murdered in 1996. And mm-hmm. uh, she was the wife Beaten of a film producer. Death. Yes. Now, the, the murder is still unsolved. This this journal, another journalist, Ian Bailey, has been arrested twice. He was tried in absentia That's what in I was France. Talking about, yes, just I know. Now. I know. Yeah. But he was tried in I absentia. Mean, filling in some some gaps here Um, Sounds like you're
1: talking about a different person in absentia
0: in France and he was sentenced to 25 years in prison so as far as the French are concerned Ian Bailey is the killer and Mm. they have tried to secure an extradition from Ireland and yet in 2020, October 2020 the Ireland's High Court ruled that Bailey could not be extradited and so as you said there are now these two Mm. conflicting documentaries and one documentary Mm. is kind of has interviewed Ian Bailey and is kind of working in inverted commas with his corporation, I suppose you might say and the other documentary makers have interviewed um, Sophie Duplantier's family and are kind of working with their blessing and so you've got this kind of unseemly battle between these two teams of documentary makers which I yes, think you were talking about I'm, I just find it fascinating
1: Bailey has done an interview with the people who are on side with Duplantier's family and he now doesn't want to let them use it so it's becoming a a battle of the uh, I was going to call it a battle of the podcast because we had our pod clash it tripped (laughs) off the tongue, but the battle of the true crime documentary makers so I found that interesting on a couple of levels let's see I suppose watch that space because after the documentaries come out next year then it'll be all over all the forums that you and I are probably on because we are interested in the same thing not you Ben because you're not interested in it Um, (laughs) (laughs) well you don't really go around the communities and stuff do you of all of this stuff but it it causes a bit of a stir and maybe people draw new conclusions about this
0: Uh, yeah maybe they will I mean I think I think the real issue I mean the, the thing that I'm struggling with is why it is that I probably need to do more reading on this, actually, because you've, you've come you've come to me with this story, and I think it's really interesting, is why exactly, you know, given that, you know, I think relations between France and Ireland are fairly good, as far as I'm aware. They're both members of the EU, of course. Bailey was arrested in Ireland. I like um, us. <laughs> yeah. Bailey was arrested in Ireland under a European arrest warrant issued by the French. Now, he's avoided extradition, and the Irish High Court, as I said, has ruled that he can't be extradited. I'm intrigued to know what are the grounds for them not extraditing Ian Bailey. Um, but I don't. But it doesn't say that here. So I, that's something to, to look into. It might well be that you know one of these documentaries will, will answer that question.
1: Answers on a postcard.
0: Well, absolutely.
1: Um, and also the reason why I've introduced this to the podcast is because there is a a personal tie to it in that a friend of a friend of a friend who lived in that community they were all pretty convinced of Bailey's guilt
0: what what are their grounds for that I mean what have they said
1: I think it's just on personality-based judgments. Um, <laughs> so
0: completely groundless is, and no evidence whatsoever. All I whatsoever. Know is that from a
1: text message. <laughs> yes. Yeah, But, I mean, just to show you the sort of sway of the community, that there's, there's that as well as the French opinion. So let's see. Anyway, let's tie this up, shall we?
0: Mm. Well, I, I need to ask you, are you looking forward to the end of lockdown too?
1: I'm even more confused about Christmas. It's going to be a crow... <laughs> Corona Christmas, I was going to say. Oh, maybe it will be for me. Who knows?
0: It's beginning to look a lot like shitmas. Oh,
1: what are you doing for Christmas?
0: Well, we did this
1: last week. It's really boring, but I'm so confused.
0: <laughs> well, if you, as you asked, um, I've decided because
1: oh, obviously I'll be round at midday.
0: My daughters have got two options. I'm gonna—they're gonna come to me on the bank holiday Monday after Christmas weekend, so they can get their second Christmas lunch.
1: Oh, that sounds nice. Can I have some?
0: (laughs) You cannot.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks. I'll come round and give you COVID.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Happy
1: Christmas. At you.
0: All I want for Christmas is COVID.
1: (laughs) Oh sneeze my mask off. (laughs) Although I have found a very lovely pudding. Oh go on. I don't like puddings and I'm sort of on the lookout for Christmas. Fair at the moment. I've got a little right next to where I live. Actually, little is really good. Actually. Oh, God. If I can say actually one more time, because I'm feeling a bit ashamed of not. I know I'm supposed to say, oh, I bake a vegan organic puddin', but I don't. <laughs> I ate a little puddin', which wasn't a typical because I don't like um. You're you talking POS, about Christmas pudding. Which is, yeah. Well, it's in the Christmas section, but it's a chocolate with a cherry molten innard. And with a massive dollop of clotted cream, I know all the Devonians are going, oh, yes. Because <laughs> clotted cream just has to be attached to anything. You stick a that sausage sounds, underneath it. That just mm. sounds like
0: um, one of those Bavarian a heart cakes.
1: It is a bit, but it's um, it's got the pièce de résistance. Is that it's got a gold dust that comes in a packet, oh and this gold God. dust is amazing. You can actually like, I was rubbing it on my face to today, my four-year-old, and it gives you like a kind of um, photographic type of sheen on your face. <laughs> so we're ecstatic, and it does. It's like gold leaf. Do you remember all the sort of Fra Angelico <laughs> frescoes and stuff? We're basically making a sort of Quattrocento Christmas pudding, which didn't taste like a Christmas pudding, bonus on every level
0: You've already eaten this
1: Well I tested it, because I'm (laughs) testing I'm testing the Christmas menu of how I can diversify, because I find turkey intensely dull and awful I hate turkey I think you're Um, supposed to put the powdered
0: mm -hmm. gold on the pudding and not on your face by the way
1: <laughs> oh, that's just a, well. Listen, we're not we're not ones for telling people where they should put things. Look at all these people famous for putting their sex toys in public.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's poor old Sarah Foggo. That's the that's the thing she's famous for now, isn't it? Having lending, and for being called lending her well. Uh, uh, the only way I can read this is she lent her rampant rabbit to her mum. Her mum used it and then decided to, to decided to tuck it in a sock and put it in a put it in the children's Sega Mega Drive box. I mean what's going well,
1: on? Well um I think an unashamed Cry for attention might be going yes, on, yes. and at the same time, possibly grounds for a just giving page, which seems to be all the rage. All you have to do, okay, I'm going to sell a kit for Christmas. It's going to contain a marker pen for the eyebrows, a syringe for the general blown up face look, and um, and a push up bra has to be in the kit, along with some dirty old sex toy uh, that d- you can go and get yourself some publicity with.
0: And don't forget a sort of a sheer animal print animal print blouse
1: I oh, want some sort of stupid, transparent lies that you put out, such as, I won it in a competition a few years back. They always say that. or oh, well, I just competition, came across but, it. I,
0: yeah, I didn't go and buy yeah. it. I won Everyone it in a competition.
1: sex toys in competitions, I mean, don't yeah, you, you know, Ben? If
0: you're, if, you're, if you're a company and you're wanting to promote yourself <clears throat> and you want to say, let's have a great competition, I, let's, the first prize could be a massive <laughs> dildo because that's just the kind of competition that's going to get you lots of publicity, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I'd like to be in that brainstorm meeting.
0: Absolutely. And also, they, they always say, oh, it's typical of me. Oh, it's just That's just the sort of thing that would happen to me. Well, yeah, if you're intentionally mm. seeking <laughs> whatever, yes, of course it would. <laughs> In fact, it
1: happened to her last week when she tried to sell it to another paper and they weren't right. interested.
0: Yeah. And
1: then she sold a crotch shot to the Daily Star and off she went.
0: There <laughs> go. Her life is golden now.
1: They've stopped doing that. Whenever I used to go and get petrol, although I only pay at pump these days to try and stay away from everyone, but when I used to go into the... Um, Into the petrol station. Didn't used to see the Daily Star always had crotch shots. And I haven't seen many recently. Oh, you've been seeing the Daily Star's crotch shots.
0: It what was, was that about? No, it, it, Wasn't know. it, they, they, well, they, the photographers would stand sort of where these celebrity females mm. were getting out of cars with miniskirts on and basically take a photo of their knickers and of course every now and then one wouldn't be wearing knickers and it was always referred to as a wardrobe malfunction. Oh I mean, no, upskirt. So you seem Is to know upskirt? an awful
1: lot about it. Well, am a
0: journalist, and you, you, know, you notice that. It's like Is that what you used them. to
1: do? No, now course. you'd be like, oh my my <laughs> iPhone doesn't work, I didn't get it but I got a good look. (laughs)
0: I can't see it without
1: my glasses on Uh, I don't know Oh you missed the beaver shot Ben What
0: beaver shot?
1: (laughs) The one that you were sent to get Of people going into nightclubs Although you can't do all that anymore can you?
0: What beaver shots or nightclubs?
1: (laughs) Either Oh you can do beaver shots at home I suppose
0: You say beaver I say biver (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I might be able to get a real beaver shot round here because it's so rural.
0: A real beaver? Our beavers <laughs> on that note... Are... Hang on, aren't beavers be... just American otters? <laughs> are they? Yeah, they build dams, beavers.
1: I think you're going to make a joke, out of beavers and butthead. Be- <menus>
0: uh, Shall I leave it? <laughs> she said beaver.
1: <laughs> well, that's been a good one. Uh, nice to see you this morning. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> bye bye right. Victoria bye have fun